Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, Husky fans, and welcome to another episode of the UConn Football Pod. This is Amon Kidwai, joined by Luke Swanson and Tucker Warner. Here to break down the Syracuse-UConn football game, an unfortunate 48-14 final score for the Huskies. They failed to cover. They really failed to keep this one close at all, which I would say also means this is kind of the first time this season UConn has not met or exceeded expectations going into a game. Tucker, what do you think about this? this Big loss by UConn against Syracuse. You know, maybe Syracuse is better than we thought. Uh, This is the second straight week that Garrett Schrader has just absolutely torn apart a defense. And it's not completely out of the blue to see a guy with, you know, relative arm talent and decent scrambling ability, uh, but who hasn't quite put it together. Somebody like we saw from Garrett Schrader last season suddenly put it together over the course of one off season. And, you know, based on his performance against UConn, uh, yes, we don't exactly have the strongest of secondaries and our past defense is not what I would reasonably call great. Uh, but nonetheless, 20 for 23, 290 yards. I mean, this guy was just doing whatever he wanted with the ball in his hands. And so with that in mind, we might want to step back and see this as UConn playing a team that could end up in the top 25 sooner rather than later if they continue this level of play and readjust our uh, retrospective expectations in that regard. Uh, putting up 14 points is a sort of thing that we wouldn't have done last season under any circumstance uh, against a team like this so hey let's kind of hope that Syracuse is a little better than we thought before this and if that's the case then UConn's kind of in the same spot that we expected them to be all season yeah I think that's a really good point about Schrader and we'll get into the 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 past defense's feelings um (laughs) a little further on in the episode but I, I think that this isn't a case of something that we saw uh in previous years uh, like 2021, 2019, 2018 was where the secondary was so bad that literally anyone who lined up under center for the opposing team would have a career would have a career day. Well, while Garrett Schrader did have a career day, I think he exceeded his uh, pass attempts and pass yardages yardage records for his entire career. If I remember correctly, uh, he the the record he broke for his career was last was set last week. So this is a guy who's clearly just found another gear. He's, he's suddenly become good where uh, previously he was uh, less good, uh, at least throwing the football. So I, I think that it's definitely a unique scenario of yes, UConn's pass defense, not really uh, doing much of anything to stop the pass and uh, a quarterback who seems to be figuring it out a, a little later in his college career than usual, which good for him. I, I, I think that Syracuse is definitely on the upward trajectory and this has the potential to be one of the better teams uh, of Dino Baber's career. But I think that there is still plenty of analysis to go around on, on UConn's side of things. And it's not that they were hopeless 
against a team like this. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. You know, Syracuse is decent and and just better than we thought. And I think that that really played itself out in this game in particular. They were going up strength against strength with, with their running game against UConn's front seven. Sean Tucker still averaged over five yards a carry. And then Garrett Schrader was, you know, 20 of 23. That's insane, right? Like that's that's an insane level of accuracy for somebody like that, even if he is the best playing the best he's ever played. Um, that's still a very high level of accuracy. So I think I do land at, I would while I would have liked to see UConn play better, yes, UConn still is in the same position we all thought they would be. Take, taking a loss in the Syracuse game, they were three touchdown underdogs at home. So it's not like it's, it's a, that far off in terms of the result. And then I'll also just add, as it relates to some of the rest of the season, while Saturday did not go well for UConn, it also did not go very well for some future opponents that UConn is hoping to beat. So what do I mean by that? Well, for starters, UMass, who uh, UConn should never lose to, but lost to twice uh, in the tenure of the last head coach, they lost 55-10 to Toledo. Yikes, that's that's not great. And then FIU, who UConn visits in a couple of weeks on I think October 8th. Is that the right day? Um, yep. So FIU lost to Texas State 41-12. Both of these teams did not lose to very good teams. As it relates to UConn's overall season, I don't think we need we need to really change, um, you know, our trajectory. But I'm interested in your guys' thoughts. I, I agree that we did see some nice things. I did think that they're the one touchdown drive, and then the big play for a touchdown were both good, nice things to see that they did against against a solid team. So I think there is some some reason for promise. What do you guys think? You know, right now, I think that's kind of tough to answer in a sense. I I mean, like, I haven't really seen any of the things that I was hoping to from this team that really you could easily point to clear standouts and that sort of thing. But even if I say something which I believe is true, uh, I think Nate Carter outplayed Sean Tucker in this game. Um, but at the same time, you know, like if he's not going to get, you know, the touches of a guy like Sean Tucker, if he's not going to get the same opportunities, then what's it matter? Um, you know, right now we're kind of dealing with a lot of different situations on the offense that we didn't expect. We're basically down our top three uh, returning receiving yards leaders on this team with Cam Ross hurt, Keelan Marion uh, potentially going to return in six to eight weeks. And hopefully by the end of the year, uh, Matt Drayton currently indefinitely suspended uh, for, you know, being arrested for assault over the weekend. Um, that's going to be a problem. Uh, we really need some help right now. And our offensive line has stepped it up and they've created opportunities, but you know, they can't do this alone. They can't score the ball uh, on the offensive line. So if you have a guy like Aaron Turner, who's going to catch some balls and maybe like run a deep uh, screen pass into the end zone from, I believe it was 55. That's the sort of thing that you kind of needs to do over and over. If they're going to be able to win games against a team like Syracuse or NC state or Michigan or whoever it may be. And that's not really replicable. Uh, So once we play teams like 
an FIU, a UMass, for example, I don't think any of those are going to really stand out quite as much. And UConn can grind out wins offensively that way. But, you know, you can't have basically every single receiver on your team other than Turner, who had that 55-yarder, have average reception or average receiving yards per catch be under eight yards. Uh, that is just a very shallow throwing offense. And I understand that that's a tough Syracuse defense in their secondary that you have to go against. But from everything we saw, it's not that tough. So we really need to, I, I think what the coaching staff needs to reevaluate is just how to get the most out of the players that they have right now. And at the moment, I don't think that they are, but you know, we've got a couple games to figure it out before we get into the winnable ones. And as long as a couple guys can start making some more plays and really just becoming more consistent, not to harp on cliche here, but that's going to be the difference when we do get into those games that UConn is capable of winning. Would either of you like to guess how many targets that uh, occurred further than nine yards down the field on Saturday? I'm going to guess zero. It was zero. It was was zero targets on any receivers. uh, uh, getting farther than nine yards downfield. Now, uh, you'd like to give the offensive staff the benefit of the doubt with with the uh, uh, super insane wide receiver attrition, uh, like Tucker mentioned. But really, it comes down to being creative with it. Scheme these guys open. You're not going to beat a team like Syracuse just uh, throwing these uh, eight throwing these eight yard outs and screens. It, it's just not going to happen. And you're doubly not going to even be competitive against teams like Michigan state and NC state. If you can't, if you can't scheme these guys open. And so whether it's a question of talent, whether none of these uh, transfers are really panning out, whatever's happening behind the scenes, you really just got to give these guys a chance to get open. And if none of the uh, three new receivers that you brought in can get open, if, if no one can really, get down the field, then it's just something that it's, it's really hard to believe that there's not something that they can do to open up this offense because what they're doing with Zion is not, it's not going to win you football games. It's not going to make you competitive. Like the run game was there. Like, like Tucker said, uh, Carter had a very good game. Even if the, even if the the, uh, numbers weren't there, I think that uh, on the flip side, uh, like you said, Tucker didn't have the best game. He didn't really impress me a whole lot. Didn't didn't really do anything to make me uh, think that he's uh, some superstar NFL running back, like has been touted. But I just think it comes down to giving your receivers a chance to get down the field and giving your quarterback, who has a very good arm and has demonstrated that in, against Central at least, uh, give him a chance to to air it out a little bit because. Uh, if you can't, then it's just it's basically giving up before the uh, the ball's even snapped. Yeah, I mean it's it's really wild that we're talking about looking for a playmaker from the pass catching group because it was and and we're only going into the fourth game of the season because we had really highlighted this bunch as a potential strength, maybe the strongest position group on the team, and now they're really looking for answers. Brian Bruton also went down with an injury that appears to be season ending. That's another hit for the offense in terms of a really multifaceted dynamic playmaker who could confuse opposing defenses. And yeah, I think Luke, you're exactly right. It, it now turns to 
this group of transfers to say, you're kind of the most experienced and pedigreed people in this group right now. And, and you need to, to find a way to, to step up. Um, these next three games, as, as us and many others have pointed out, is going to be a very, very tough road. And what UConn is going to have to avoid is that, that 2019 uh, feeling of, of demoralizing blowouts that, that can sometimes um, really deflate an entire season, the trajectory of an, of an entire season. And that's something that certainly is possible when you're a 47-point underdog uh, on the road at Michigan. Uh, it's going to be very high spreads like at NC State when they host Fresno State. And they just need to avoid getting like really brutalized and, and frankly, stay healthy. They're taking a lot of injuries per, per game. And, and it seems like someone meaningful is going down in, in, every, in just about every game, it seems. So um, there's, there's a lot that they need to fix up. But I do think some of, as it relates to some of the goals of the season, uh, those are still reachable but they do need to stay healthy now at this point and find a way to be a little more consistent. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I guess I should say that um, in terms of the Bruton injury, although you'd certainly like to have him here, it seems like he was falling down the depth chart anyway. So I don't want to panic over, you know, just another injury to this offense right now at a skill position. Uh, it does seem like Devontae Houston is ready to go as the number two back behind Nate Carter, though. So, you know, I'm not overly concerned about what that means for the team if Bruton is out for the year. Um, Houston had basically been more effective at everything through three games so far. But what I really am concerned about is how are we not able to kind of scheme some of these guys open? You know, if you look at like what really took place during the game on Saturday, you know, uh, Syracuse's best defensive back, Garrett Williams, was not really a major factor in pass coverage for the most part. Uh, you know, he did pick up a sack, so I wouldn't say he was a non-factor for the full game. But, you know, if you have one guy who is supposedly the shutdown corner uh, and, OK, we're going to try to avoid him. Uh, and that way you can kind of target some other cornerbacks and like work them deep. But that didn't happen either. And although I thought Zion Turner actually had a pretty solid game, uh, you know, it's pretty effective with the throws he was asked to make uh, and, you know, not really, you know, under um, what's the word I'm looking for here uh, and not really necessarily the toughest throws or anything degree of difficulty, not very high, but nonetheless, he did what he was asked to do. So let's ask a little more of him for these next couple of games. And, you know, if you want to really get him to progress, because I'm pretty sure this uh, coaching staff sees him as the quarterback of the future then kind of throw him into the fire a little bit too, force him to, you know, make some risky throws and how, see how he adapts to that uh, because he's not going to be the quarterback of the future. If he plays, you know, the same style of game that he was asked to against Syracuse and eventually you're going to just need to uh, get him to th- like, uh, 
I'm stammering over my words. You need to get him to throw into the fire a little bit. Uh, see how he adjusts when the you know he really is asked to do something difficult and force him to make these tough throws. We know he he has the arm talent to do so. Uh, does he have the ability right now, or is it all potential? That remains to be seen, and that's why you kind of have to give him more opportunities to prove what he's capable of right now and also in the future. Yeah, I think that not he only he only had a uh, three incompletions the entire game, but five point four yards per attempt. For I I think that's inexcusable. I, I even against a superior one, even with all you're trying to do to neutralize the defensive line, to uh to get your uh, talented players like Turner in space, you make want to make a move. I I just think that. It's it's really baffling, baffling offensive game plan. Usually, when you're when you're making these off tackle runs, when you're doing these stretch plays, when you're doing these screens, it, it's setting up for something. It's setting up for, for something more, like a play action or, or a run pass option, or uh, a, a, a deep ball, a deep threat, and it just set up for nothing. Just nothing happened, and it's just it's just at a point. I, I don't want to make too much of one game. But if that's what we can expect through this this kind of stretch where they're playing tougher opponents, well, like I said before, it's like it's like why even show up if it's not for player development because you're not having Zion thrown on the field, and if it's not for actually trying to go out there and score points when you know you're going to have to score points to score to make it competitive, it's like what's the point? Yeah, and we saw him make some nice deep passes against Central uh, a week before this game, too. And obviously, there's a world of difference between Central Connecticut and Syracuse. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't just, like, have him throw basically zero deep balls. Uh, if you take a look at, like, who was catching these passes, too, you know, there were two receptions by Nate Carter, two receptions by Victor Rosa, two receptions by Devontae Houston, six by Aaron Turner, which were all screens. So that right there is 12 passes uh, of the 16 total completions we had all game that were either two running backs or just guaranteed screens. Uh, so yeah, there were a couple other, you know, short yardage passes that were completed here, but that's just like, that's just not even making the attempt to go for the deep play every now and then. And, you know, when you find yourself down 17, nothing at the end of the first quarter uh, you know, it's not really a competitive game early in the third quarter, maybe let's see what could happen and see if they can at least get back into the game a little bit, make it a little more competitive and, you know, going conservative at that point, I think is just not a good sign for what they believe this team can do right now. So you know, I hate to be a little more pessimistic than I was thinking at the beginning of this podcast, but uh, something's got to change there. And, you know, if they come out against Michigan doing the same thing and it's all handoffs, dump offs, screen passes, maybe like a two yard flat or something along those lines. You know, what are we doing here at this point? You got to at least try to give yourself, uh, you know, some opportunities to make plays, some opportunities to keep it competitive and, you know, hopefully, best case scenario, uh, they were just trying to make sure that Jim Harbaugh didn't see the actual UConn playbook when he's looking at film. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like you watch it live, and you're really impressed with how Syracuse's quarterback and and uh, receivers were able to make plays. And then you watch it back, and like at, at the time, you don't, you like kind of barely even notice what UConn's doing because it's a, a lot of it's what they've been doing for the first, even against Central. They were, they had these, uh, they had the run game going, they had the the screens, the the short passes. But then you, you watch it back, and you realize, wait a second, they they didn't do anything. It's like, it's like you you hit the the playback button twice on on a song in your phone, 
and you don't you don't recall that like oh it's it's this is the third time it's played the fourth time it's played you don't remember that till like the fourth or fifth time it's played and it's like oh, wait a second this is this is just the same song the same song over and over again well what's going on I think UConn coaches um, can fall into this trap. I think we've seen it now from a few different staffs where you go in hoping to be really creative and dynamic and multiple offensively. And then all of a sudden reality smacks you in the face. You're in the third quarter of a blowout and you want to maybe save face and you start calling the, the, um, the draw plays, the screenplay, the draw play again, right after that, followed by the screenplay. And, and I think it's just something that you do when your your personnel limits you offensively and you start to think, well, this is what it's got to be. As, as we've brought up, this is a tough situation for any staff, let alone a brand new staff, to lose your quarterback, two receivers to injury, one receiver to a suspension, other playmakers are, are injured as well. It's a very tough spot that, that UConn's in. Um, so that, that does not bode well. And, and to be in that situation is, is pretty unfortunate with a true freshman quarterback. You're just going to have to deal with the, the ups and downs that come with that. And I think that also includes the coaches being uh, less willing to open up the playbook than even they already would have been with Taekwon Roberson, which um, I think was not very much to begin with. And, and then now it's, it's at a point where it's going to be closed down. It's going to be really tough. What do you, you know, what do you do in a game like at Michigan at NC state, you're down 30, 40 plus in the third quarter. You know, what, what are you supposed to do out there? I, I don't know the, you know, I'm not sure I know the answer to that. I, I do think we all are in agreement to open it up a little bit at that point, I guess, when, when you have nothing else to lose, I, I, I suppose. Yeah. It's tough to get inside the mind of, of a college coach, but, it almost seems like sometimes like and this, this, this happens all over the sport, not just at UConn, that they go into a game expecting to sort of get to, and no coach will ever say this ever in an interview, but you, they go in like with the, with the pre-assumed talent disadvantage and start calling plays that are meant to take advantage of that talent disadvantage for them. If that makes any sense like heavy on the run heavy on the screens last year we saw plenty heavy on the draw and that that might be one explanation and it's not happening consciously because again no coach will will ever ever tell you that they go into a game expecting to lose uh, just uh, without even considering like going in expecting to lose heavily but i think that might be some some of what what happens so additionally we saw from the UConn defense, I think, you know, to, to really hone in on some areas of concern here, um, the, the past defense, um, they allowed Garrett Trader and Syracuse to really beat UConn through the air at will as needed. And um, it's going to be really, really tough sledding for them, even over these next three games. I, I don't know how they're going to keep any of these next three opponents under 48 you know, something you need to think about Syracuse is a, again, a run first ball control kind of offense and team and they dropped 48. So, um, you know, Michigan runs something pretty, pretty modern forward, forward leaning. I think they announced who their starting quarterback would be. And he had an absolutely electric game last time out against Hawaii. He seems like a, a real true du dual threat and, and someone who's, um, 
you know, terrifying, maybe, maybe shades of Denard Ro Robinson. Is that the guy who used yes. to be yes. quarterback? I think he was Robinson. last time, last time UConn played him. Um, Devin Gardner last time. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Okay. Um, NC state also has a, a solid offense and then Fresno state, you know, very, very good offense. One that scored 45 against UConn last year. So what what is UConn going to need to do to try to keep points down these these next three weeks? UConn faces uh, maybe not next week, but against uh, Devin Leary at NC State and Jake Hayner uh, with Fresno State. Uh, those are two of the probably the top five ten quarterbacks in all of college football right there. So uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be rough sailing for uh, for a, a unit that's already already kind of struggling and just UConn's past defense as a whole, just as a unit against Syracuse did not perform well whatsoever. It's, it's very tough to tough to uh, uh, find a, a bright spot there. The one bright spot that I can find is when, uh, when they uh, uh, rush that, that same, uh, I guess, uh, uh, double B gap, B gap, C gap blitz with, uh, with, I think it was Chris Sheeran. And I think it happened with, uh, Boyer Randall one time and then uh, Benbury the Benbury the other time they were able to, able to get pressure on uh, on Trader I think both times they both times they ended up getting the sack but that those were the only two times that um, that they were able to, to effectively get pressure on the quarterback and uh, ironically you would think okay they're only not doing this very often because they they uh, don't want to sacrifice the numbers in the passing game but those are the only those are the only times where. That Syracuse had trouble moving down the ball uh, in the passing game was when they were getting pressure. So it, it, it's tough because when they weren't getting pressure, they, they sat back into the sort of soft zone, which isn't really something that we've seen a whole lot of from Moore's defense in the first two games. The first two games, it was a mix of zone and man, I'd say more man than zone. And then this game, they were just playing, uh, I guess you'd call it prevent defense for the entirety of the game, just, just uh, sitting in the, in that uh, soft uh, cover two zone and just letting, uh, letting the re uh, Syracuse receivers find holes. And then uh, when they did play, man, they, sometimes they got beat over the top. So it, it's really tough to find a scheme that works with the defensive back talent that they have right now. And I, I think if anything, like I understand zone if you if you don't think you can you can man up these guys, but if something's not working and you're just kind of letting go down the field like three drives no how many drives was it was it seven drives in a row that they scored? I don't want to think about it. <laughs> However, it lasted longer than the first half. I'll tell you that. But yeah, if they're going down the if they score in every possession in the first quarter, you maybe think about switching something up but it's so hard when you just have this the talent deficit at the position that it, it's not a position i envy uh that jamora and the rest of the, the defensive coaching staff yeah honestly i think the biggest thing they need to change for the next game is seeing if they can hit the transfer portal in the middle of the season to get a couple <laughs> more defensive backs in there uh because what they they're know. doing right now just this is just not effective um and a lot of it is because of personnel you know you you hate to 
really throw so much onto the shoulders of, you know, guys who might've just been playing high school ball two years ago. Certainly it's not really their fault from everything. I understand these guys are working hard, trying to get better, et cetera. But man, some of these guys just are not good. And that's really the problem is that like a lot of them just are not effective when they're on the field, really under any circumstance. And I, I don't know how you overcome that schematically. Uh, certainly you can try to apply more pressure in the pass rush and see if you can get more sacks. And, you know, that's one option. Uh, the other thing is that you can have a better run defense to make sure they have to pass and perhaps make riskier plays that way. And I do think there's been a little bit of improvement there. I thought our run defense was fairly solid against Syracuse. Uh, again, big shout out to Jackson Mitchell. The guy is all over the field in terms of stuffing the run and playing inside the box. But, you know, there's only so much you can do if that's every time you throw the ball downfield, it's a completion. Uh, the point of forcing teams to make passes is that like they are going to eventually not complete one and be without any yardage on a particular play. When you allow the opposing quarterback to go 20 for 23, that's not happening. So you just need to like match up more and make more plays. And I don't even know if the solution is zone or man, because it seems like whatever you got has tried out there, just it, everything fails. And the one consistent thing that's happened with these teams over this season and last season is that the guys that we ran out there at the end of last season, who are still starting right now, still aren't getting the job done. So you know, hopefully you can kind of retool around this or maybe there's a freshman or two who's ready to actually contribute and, you know, perhaps be better than the guys they've got in front of them. And certainly there's some risk there, but from what I can see so far out on the field, there's just, there's just not that many options for what you can realistically do to make sure that like we're actually stopping a good pass offense for let's say Devin Leary, Jay Kaner, Michigan starter TBA uh, any of those guys is just going to really throw all over us if they know what they're doing and they don't make mistakes. And it's not that hard to not make mistakes against the, uh, against this defense right now. I, I noted the corner blitz from, from Sheeran as well. I thought that was a great play. Great, mm -hmm. great pressure that worked a couple times. And um, I, I think you are right, Tucker. It's, it's, why not dial up the blitz and you have not much else to lose on the, on the coverage side anyway. So you might as well bring more rushers and try to get something going now, you know, is that something worth experimenting over these next three weeks against really good teams, right? So we're not, you know, just talking like national names here, which they are, but Michigan's ranked number four in the country. Uh, NC state is 16th. And, you know, Fresno State is, is receiving votes. But four and 16 is extremely hard. UConn never played anyone as high as ranked as high as four in the AAC days, obviously, despite um, wherever UCF should have been ranked the year it won the national championship. Uh, that notwithstanding, UConn's never, UConn hasn't played anyone that highly ranked, um, possibly since playing a number two ranked team in the Big East days a long, long time ago. Um, but it's, it, it does demand something different from the defense because mid season, it's going to be really tough to fix. And, uh, I, I just, again, I hope it doesn't get too ugly. I hope I, and I really mean this sincerely. I hope nobody, I hope lots of people do not get hurt. 
and I and I hope nobody gets so demoralized that they might not be like the same kind of football player again until they transfer to a different school and and feel a different feeling on the field. So um, I don't mean to be so bleak, but but I am very concerned. Yeah, and I guess I should follow that up also by saying, like, it's not as if every single player in the UConn secondary has become the problem. Uh, certainly, like, Malik Dixon has been totally fine as the safety back there. Uh, he can actually make some plays on the ball. Been fairly okay with that. Uh, and, you know, like, been one, I'd say, consistent positive within our past coverage so far. Uh, at the same time, there's the concern I brought up at the beginning of the season, which is that it seems like the wrong guys are getting the majority of the snaps. And that might still be happening. Uh, you know, Miles Bell just saw like a season low in terms of snaps. And like, certainly he's been better in pass coverage than a couple of the starters right now, uh, including the guy that he is listed behind on the depth chart and has been all season. So let's see what Miles Bell can do. We've at least seen him be very positive before, uh, you know, that was before his uh, Achilles injury in the 2021 season. But, you know, like just throw him out there for more than 12 snaps over the course of a game when we're getting absolutely torched by the quarterback. Uh, that's something that he can help in. And, you know, there's let's just try something a little bit different. And if we've tried different things schematically, maybe we just try different things in terms of who was uh, who is actually on the field. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't know what, what the coaching staff has against Miles Bell, what what what, uh, what he's done, but he's just he's not really seen the field a whole lot. And I, I don't know if it's because uh, of a sort of Kevin Mensa situation like last year, where he just comes back, not, not quite the same player as he was in, in seasons past or what have you. But I just think that it, it's, so it's very tough to, uh, to really scheme around anything. It's sort of like the, sort of like the receiver position in terms of the, the attrition that they've had there and the guys that they have left uh, it's it's hard to get them open. It's hard to uh, get these guys to cover people. I, I do think uh, when I echo what you said about the safeties, I think that Sheeran and uh, Sheeran and Dexon Williams are actually they're in the position to make plays quite a bit. What, what like those plays that it, it they don't get made a whole lot, a whole lot, and, and they're some big plays that happen over the top of them, but they're in position to make plays. And if you can just really make that leap and it's, it's, it's something that's hard to teach, but uh, having that, having that sense as a safety is really, you kind of really half the battle. And that, that's, that's probably the best thing I could say about the UConn secondary is that Dixon Williams and, and Sheeran, they're, they're in the right place at the right time a lot, a lot. Okay. So next up, the Huskies will be at the big house in Michigan. 47.5 point underdogs. They'll be playing at noon on ABC. A lot of prime time and major network action for UConn, uh, which we love to see. Uh, we'll have a preview podcast for that later this week. For now, thank you all for listening.